1: Terren Pritchett.
5: Hi again, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat as we start a brand new week. I guess it's kind of championship week around college basketball. Seven minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, March the 6th of 2023. Our program. It's live right now at 960 AM WSBT at wsbtradio.com, a live stream on our free WSBT radio app. You can get the app by going to the iTunes or Google Play stores. Search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Once you have that on your phone, the app will bring you live Budweiser's weekday sports beat or the program on demand also a live video feed right now on the twitch app hope you had a terrific weekend little snow little sunshine a little melting sounds like we might have a little more snow later on in the week well it's good to be back with you on this monday we've got a full week of budweiser's weekday sports beat coming up now tomorrow night's program will be 30 minutes shorter than normal Because the Fighting Irish basketball team will begin their championship week in the opening round of the ACC tournament, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock tip, the Irish taking on Virginia Tech. In fact, there are three first-round games in the ACC tournament in Greensboro tomorrow. The opening game is at 2 o'clock, the 12-seed Florida State versus the 13-seed Georgia Tech. That will be followed at approximately 430 by the 10 seed Boston college taking on the last seed number 15 Louisville. And then we get to the finale of the night at seven o'clock. It will be the 14th seeded fighting Irish taking on the defending ACC champion, the 11 seed, the Virginia tech Hokies. Will that be Mike Bray's final game as fighting Irish basketball coach The next loss will end an era that lasted 23 years here in South Bend. If the Irish are fortunate enough to beat Virginia Tech tomorrow night, they would advance to the ACC Tournament's second round where they would draw the North Carolina State Wolfpack, who are the number 6 seed in the ACC Tournament. You win that, you get the 3-seed Clemson, then probably the 2-seed Virginia, And Notre Dame, you know, just one of those simple routes. you got to beat Virginia Tech, NC State, Clemson, then probably Virginia, and then a championship game. So other than that, piece of cake, right? All you got to do is win all those games in a row. It's been a rough year for the Irish. So glad the players who have wrapped up their playing career after this tournament and Mike Bray got that. Victory at home to wrap up the home schedule against Pittsburgh. Not a great performance over the weekend at Clemson. Good to see Robbie Robbie Carmody get back on the scoreboard. So many injuries during his Notre Dame career. I think it's been a couple of years in between points for Robbie. But a rough win for the Irish at Clemson over the weekend. Now it is Virginia Tech and, of course, the Irish to make the NCAA tournament. They've got to run the table and win the ACC tournament, which is going to be a huge task, to say it very, very lightly. This is going to be kind of a different championship week because normally this is a build-up for the NCAA tournament, but for the Irish basketball team, March Madness is not going to take very long. The Irish hockey team is already done. They were ousted from the Big Ten tournament last night. I'll tell you about that coming up in a moment and also in the 6 o'clock hour. So Notre Dame hockey is done. Irish men's basketball is going to be done as soon as they lose in Greensboro. The Irish women's basketball team got hammered in the semifinal of the women's ACC tournament. Now they've got a long wait before Selection Sunday and before the tournament Begin So this for at least our area teams, it's going to be kind of a quiet week. We do have Purdue and Indiana playing later on this week in the Big Ten tournament. But this is kind of an unusual, I guess, going into the second week in March in which hockey is done, men's basketball is going to be done. So this is going to be a little different and spring practice for the Irish football team is still 16 days away. I think we're done with the coaching carousel after what we heard over the weekend. I think this is it. I think we're going to be done after this. Let's get to that and other storylines and our hat trick of opening topics here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We start tonight with the latest Notre Dame coaching news Irish special teams coordinator Brian Mason. Is reportedly leaving Notre Dame for the NFL's Indianapolis Colts. Mason was in South Bend for just one year, but boy, did he leave his mark on this football team, raising the level of quality play and impact plays by special teams by 500% compared to the Brian Polian era. The Irish tied for the national lead with seven block kicks. All seven kicks were punt blocks. According to this Fermo Efficiency Index for special teams rankings, Notre Dame was number six in the country, by far their best ever finish. Mason was named Football Scoops 2022 Special Teams Coordinator of the Year. The Irish had a great run. Remember, they blocked a punt in five straight games. They had two in the same quarter against UNLV at Notre Dame Stadium, both by Isaiah Foskey. I didn't know this stat until Blue and Gold Illustrated came up with it, but I like this stat. The punt block impact helped the Irish to lead the country in average starting field position at the 33-yard line. Now Mason, we thought he was going to be here, has brought in some special teams personnel for the 2023 season you got South Florida grad transfer kicker Spencer Schrader you got a walk on grad transfer from Penn and punter Ben Krim they picked the Irish back in December Schrader's going to be the kicker Krim probably will have some competition Brian McPherson is a leading candidate to win that job but for Mason boy thank you for raising the expectation level For how many years did we sit here on this program and on the Friday before the game going through the advantage game? And often I would just say prior to this year, I just hope Notre Dame breaks even on special teams because it felt like they were in the negative way too often. Not this year. Notre Dame won special teams battles throughout the season. And all the credit goes to Brian Mason it sounds like he is taking sort of his dream job in the NFL. He's a Zionsville, Indiana native and getting the Indianapolis Colts position. Now, it didn't take long for speculation to move toward who the new special teams coordinator is going to be. Matt Fortuna of The Athletic reported that Old Miss special teams coordinator Marty Biagi is likely going to replace Mason as special teams coordinator at Notre Dame. Biagi has a tie-in with Notre Dame. Marty was a part of Brian Kelly's staff in 2016 as a Notre Dame special team analyst. So it looks like Marty is going to be the next in line to take over special teams, at least according to Matt Fortuna from The Athletic. And one more bit of Notre Dame football coaching news. Chris Watt, former Irish offensive lineman, two-time member of the coaching staff, Notre Dame grad assistant. He's leaving Notre Dame according to Irish Sports Daily. He is going to become a member of the Indianapolis Colts coaching staff as an assistant offensive line coach. So we are assuming at least in terms of major positions, that that should do it for the Notre Dame coaching staff. We should be locked in place. There's been a lot of speculation about other members of the staff possibly getting some looks from the NFL. Dylan McCullough is one in particular, has been in the NFL. Sounds like he's staying put. So I think the carousel is finally going to come to a stop. It all started when Tommy Reese decided to go to Alabama. Then this happened, and that happened, and I think we're at the end of the road at this particular moment. So we'll keep an eye out. Nothing official from Notre Dame yet. Brian Mason leaving for the Colts, and according to the athletic, Marty Biaggi of Ole Miss is his likely replacement, a Notre Dame special teams analyst in 2016. Our second hat trick of opening topics for this Monday – A clunker played by the Notre Dame women's basketball team in the ACC tournament semifinals on Saturday. Is this a sign of things to come for the Fighting Irish if star guard Olivia Miles can't play? First off, credit to Louisville. Can't be all just about Notre Dame struggling. Louisville played an outstanding game. They were highly motivated, playing Notre Dame for a third time in 17 days. Miles broke Louisville's heart at Purcell Pavilion with that last-second game winner. Notre Dame then rallied to win at Louisville without Miles to end the regular season. Louisville responded well in this game, beating Notre Dame 64-38 at one point. The Irish were down 34 points. The Irish had been okay without Olivia Miles for a couple of games. Again, the great response of the team at Louisville. You watch your best player go down with an injury. You could call it a day they didn't. They won that game. Came out and played a strong game on Friday, but a different story on Saturday. Notre Dame scored just seven points in the first quarter, and they did not reach double-digit points in three of the four quarters in that matchup against the Cardinals. A rough shooting day for the Irish, 31% shooting from the floor. They're not very good from three, even when they're completely healthy. Without Mabry and Miles, one for ten from the three-point line, only made five of ten free throws. And when you miss your floor general, the turnover numbers can increase quickly. 22 turnovers by Notre Dame in that game against Louisville. Sonia Citron, who has been carrying the load the last couple of ball games without miles, 28 in her last game, only eight points against Louisville, only got seven shots up, making three. Maddie Westbell had nine points. No one scored in double figures for Notre Dame in this game. I wonder when the last time that's happened. Seriously, you think about the great players Notre Dame has had. Normally, you always have someone in double figures. It's probably been years and years. I mean, when's the last time Notre Dame scored 38 in the game on the women's side? So that'll do it for the Irish until Selection Sunday. Then they'll find out when they play, where, and who their opponent is going to be. Irish probably are still going to be highly seated, but we'll have to watch what the committee decides to do with Notre Dame. Do they penalize Notre Dame seeding wise if they do not know the status of Olivia Miles for the tournament? Normally, if they know a player is not going to participate, they analyze the team the best they can based on the players that will play in the tournament. So, if Notre Dame, for example, is lined up to be a three seed with Olivia Miles, it would not be shocking if the committee. Decides if Miles isn't going to go. Not sure they'll ever find that out. They'll have to guess. But Notre Dame could drop down maybe to the four line due to that injury to Olivia Miles. Now, unlike the men's tournament, upsets are much more rare in the first round. Although we're starting to see more teams get upset in the first round, you would have to think with Notre Dame's talent level, even if Miles can't play, they are still capable of winning the first game. Second game gets a little more difficult. Then when you get to the Sweet 16, you're facing another elite team. That's when it could get tough on this team if Olivia Miles can't play. The Sweet 16 is a couple of weeks away, so if you can survive and advance the first two rounds, I honestly don't know her status. By the way, she was walking in Greensboro. It seems unlikely she's going to play anytime soon, but right now it's all about just trying to win games. And hopefully, she can come back. And our third and final hat trick of opening topics for today. The end of the season for the Notre Dame hockey team. At this point, they're not officially eliminated. But I can tell you, based on the pairwise, they're currently 19th. They're not going to rise up 7 spots to 12 or 6 spots to 13 and get in the field. So even though people are writing. They're probably not going to make the tournament. I think it is fair to say they're not going to make the tournament. In fact, Notre Dame Hockey on social media has sent out thank you notes to the senior class, which tells you they're not playing again. If if there was any chance Notre Dame was going to play, you wouldn't send out that social media information. So unfortunately for Notre Dame, their season is over. They were knocked off by Michigan State in a deciding game three of the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinals last night 4-2 to two at the Compton Family Ice Arena. Notre Dame scored first in all three games but only won the first one won nothing and Notre Dame just could not generate enough offense defensively had a couple of breakdowns that hurt them. There were a couple of broken plays that hurt them in this game. Block shots and went right to Spartans who buried those loose pucks So credit to Michigan State. They won their first postseason series since 2010 by beating the Irish. In fact, Michigan State was 0-13 going into this weekend in the Big Ten tournament. They took two out of three from the Irish. Notre Dame's season is over at 16-16-5. What's next for the Irish? I am going to talk about that kicking off the 6 o'clock hour and about 40 minutes here on WSBT Radio. And that's going to do it for our hat trick of opening topics for this Monday evening coming up on the program. Next, our Twitter question of the day. Then we've got Mark Johnson joining the program, retired high school boys basketball coach. I'm going to get his insight on South Bend, Washington, pulling off a couple of huge victories over at Jimtown in the sectional. On Saturday, beating the number two team in the state, Mishawaka-Marion, on a layup with about a second left. And then outlasted South Bend-St. Joe in overtime to win a sectional for the first time since 2010. So we'll get some insight from Coach Johnson on that sectional coming up. Also at 625, a preview of Mishawaka and Michigan City. For the Class 4A LaPorte championship game tonight, 7.30 Eastern time in LaPorte. Michigan City, since the restructuring has taken place, they have not won a sectional. For Mishawaka, it has been 37 years since the Cavemen won a sectional championship. They've got a shot tonight against Michigan City. You can hear that Mishawaka, Michigan City game on our sister station, ninety-six one the ton. Brian Miller, Ron Heklinski will have the call. Seven five pregame. Game time is seven thirty. Also, good luck tonight over in Elkhart, twenty-five and one Penn versus fifteen and ten Northridge at seven o'clock, and three A at Northwood. The Panthers, twenty-three and two, number one in Class Three A taking on 21-3 West Noble, so a top-10 team, in the state will be gone in that matchup. In fact, a lot of 3A highly ranked teams are already out. Also, we got a little sizzler coming up before the end of the program after a 4-0 Friday. Today, hard to pick games. There's not a lot of great stuff happening today in the sports wagering world. We'll give it a shot, and we'll give you some picks at the end of the program. 5:25 is my time. Twitter question of the day is coming up next, then a little Hoosier Hysteria talk with retired high school basketball coach Mark Johnson on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
5: Halfway through the 5 o'clock hour on this Monday evening, Sports Sportsbeat on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett. Each weekday on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat, I post a Twitter question of the day. I ask for you to vote, and you always come through. Greatly appreciate that. Last week, we finished the week with this. What characteristic will you remember most about Notre Dame basketball coach Mike Bray? Of course, Mike Bray. His run as Notre Dame basketball coach will come to a close with the next Notre Dame loss after 23 years on the job. So what characteristic will you remember most about Mike Bray? Your four choices. The nickname, the loosest coach in America. Choice number two. When he went with the turtleneck look. Choice number three. The back-to-back Elite Eight runs in the NCAA tournament. And your fourth choice, that magical run, winning the 2015 ACC Championship, winning the tournament in Greensboro. Here's the voting results and coming in fourth place, getting some love, 18.4%, the classic turtleneck look. That's how we got to know Mike Bray, the turtleneck with the sport coat on. Eventually the turtleneck went away, but still, we can all picture Mike back in the day in the turtleneck, 18.4%. 2015 ACC champions got 24% of the vote. Boy, that was a great run. Jaron Grant, Demetrius Jackson, Pat Connaughton, that group getting it done, going through Duke and Carolina to win the championship. 25% of the vote. Actually, let me check that. 30% of the vote went to the loosest coach in America. The nickname that Mike picked up just because of his personality. Never seemed to get stressed out about anything. Very calm and cool until it was time not to be calm and cool. How ironic was it when Notre Dame played their final home game against Pitt? Mike Bray's final home game at Purcell Pavilion, and the ACC puts John Gaffney as one of the officials. Gaffney was the one that Bray referred to at Florida State a couple of years ago. Like, we're in the league, too. Come on, Gaffney. It had to be a joke, right? Was that coincidence? Well, Gaffney was there and the Irish won. Winning the vote, 34.2% said the one thing they'll remember about Mike Bray, those back-to-back Elite Eight runs. The first year, that was the team that had a chance to go to the Final Four, lost to that undefeated Kentucky team on a last-second shot in the Elite Eight. The next year, the team wasn't as good. The bracket broke their way, and they took advantage getting to the Elite Eight a second consecutive year in 2016. Thank you for voting. Greatly appreciate it. Today's question was posted earlier this afternoon. Which Notre Dame football statistic from 2022 will improve the most in 2023? Your two choices. The offense last year averaged 31.8 points per game. Your other choice... On the defensive side of the football, the defense gave up 23 points per game. So which is going to improve the most? Offense, 31.8 points per game with Sam Hartman. Or will the defense get better in year two under Al Golden? They gave up 23 points per game last year. I'm going to be really curious to see how this voting goes. And I'm not sure as I sit here right now which direction I'm going to go. It feels like Hartman's going to make... A difference the offensive line is going to have to be retooled. But you got two great tackles, great running game. Got to replace Michael Mayer. It's interesting, very interesting. I like this question. We'll see how this question unfolds. We'll have the results for you on tomorrow's program. Which of these two stats will improve the most this year? Offense 31.8 points per game, defense 23 points per game. Quick timeout, we'll talk some Hoosier hysteria and how did South Bend, Washington get it done. We'll talk to retired high school basketball coach Mark Johnson coming up next on WSBT. It is 540 on your home of the Irish and the NCAA men's basketball tournament next week, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. We have Mishawaka versus Michigan City in the LaPorte sectional final on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Tonight, pregame coverage starts at 7.05 Eastern time. Game time is 7.30 Eastern time. Over in Elkhart tonight, Penn versus Northridge at 7. Northwood, great matchup. Panthers and West Noble at 7.30. Several sectional crowns were handed out on saturday congratulations to john glenn they won a title and as did south bend washington who won two thrillers over at Jimtown to win their first sectional since 2010 retired high school basketball coach mark johnson joins me once again to talk some hoosier hysteria here on WSBT Radio. Well, Coach, you lecture me every year. Never take anything for granted. Anybody can beat anybody in Hoosier hysteria. And sure enough, the number two team in the state, Mishawaka Marion, a team that beat Washington handily during the regular season. Washington flipped the script. And thanks to a last second layup, they beat Marion by a final score of 43 to 41. Coach, as you watch that game, What was one or two things that Washington did so successfully that allowed them to beat this outstanding Knights team?
3: Well, first of all, Darren, I want to go back to what we were talking about, about the history and tradition of the Indiana High School Tournament. And if you remember right, what does it always do during sectional week?
5: (laughs) It snows.
3: (laughs) Thank you. I don't know very much about very – very many things, but I do know enough about, again, the tradition and history, and it always snows for the sectional week. Um, And it did. And so now we move on to the next part. Um, The games Darren at Jimtown, the one thing I want to throw out, and I have to I hope I'm just not rambling a little bit on this, but you don't have to be the best team. You have to be the best team on the floor that night. And Washington was that night. Um, I always try to sit when I watch a game, sit opposite the bench. I like to watch the body language. I like to watch, you know, how I interact with the coaches, the players. I like to watch, you know, what happens when they get taken out of a game and and all of that. And this is not a knock. It's just a fact. But you could see that, that Marion was a little bit on edge. The longer the game went Mm -hmm. and the closer the game stayed, Marion was a little bit um, uncomfortable, should I say. Uh, did Washington do anything that I thought, you know, was this is the one thing that they had to do to win the game? The answer was no. Marion could win games, in the, and I've said this before, in the 40s. Marion could win games also in the 70s and 80s. Um, I thought Washington wouldn't be able to win a game in the 40s, the very low 40s, but they did. Um, they were able to take them off the bounce. They were able to get to the hole. Um, Marion stayed in their one, three, one, and they were able to find different gaps where they could hit. And they were able to go, uh, kind of like mid post, a short corner dive and get some layups there. Um, and it was, again, uh, sadly, there, and it was in front of about 15 people, but it was a tremendous sectional basketball game. And, um, my hats off to Washington for that
5: one you know I would have thought coach if the final score was going to be in the 40s that was advantage Marion because I could see Washington wanting to pick up the tempo make it a track meet more than what Marion wanted to but 43-41 was the final what did Washington do so successfully that allowed the game to I, don't, I guess they didn't really want it to be low scoring, but what did they contribute to the situation that didn't allow many points to be scored in this game? Were they really rock solid defensively? Was Marion just not hitting shots?
3: Well, again, great questions on that, Darren. And one of the things again, as a coach when you watch the games and stuff, you you speed up the game defensively. And a lot of teams you know that lose, they try to speed the game up offensively. Where well, they get a rebound, they run down and they shoot a quick shot. Uh, they missed, and they have to run back down and, and defend. And Washington really didn't do that. Um, they were able to pick up the tempo defensively, but they were able to hit shots in transition. And ma- the majority of those were layups. I don't think they shot real well. I I, I think um, uh, the Reynolds young man, I, I think he hit some threes. But other than that, I don't think they shot real well. But, but again, the score was in the, the low 40s. Yeah. And so there wasn't a whole lot of offense. You know, in on that. But there was some very, very solid defense. And again, it it was a great, great game that uh, basically, you know, I know in the mind of Washington and I know in the mind of Marion, the winner of this game is going to win the sectional and it almost didn't happen.
5: Yeah, because in game 2, Washington and St. Joe went into overtime. The Panthers won 62-61 after beating St. Joe just a few days ago 66 to 59, and I told you last week I really like this St. Joe team. They've got a lot of young parts and they're going to be really good for a couple of years, but you don't want to take it adv- you want to take advantage of an opportunity this year and you get Washington in the sectional. What was the main storyline from that game?
3: Well, again, it was making shots, getting stops, making shots, or should I say, getting stop, making a shot, and getting a, uh, and then getting another stop. And I thought Washington did a little bit better job being able to make a, get a stop, make a shot, and get a stop. St. Um, Joe, and again, I, I think Eric Gaff did just a phenomenal job with this group. And I, I think you know what they were in; they were in a position where they really had a chance to win the game in regulation, and they really had a chance to win it in overtime, um, but they didn't. And so this is where they have to be able to come back and, and really, really understand the why, not necessarily the why, well, we got beat. Well, we got beaten overtime. Okay, why? Why did we get beat? Why did we get beat in overtime? What was the one possession that we could have done that would have got us to stop or would have got us a basket. And whenever you lose by one, uh, you you pull your hair out. And me, I mean, I, it gets grayer from a standpoint that this is what if we would have been able to do one time, one person, and then we would be sitting, uh, you know, on the couch feeling like we were pretty good. Instead, we're packing up our gear today. And that was always, for me there, and that was always a really, really hard part you know, when the, and I can, believe me, I, I can really empathize with Rob Berger. Um, when you're having the kind of year that they have, you always think that it's never going to end. Yeah. Somehow you will figure out and somehow you'll be able to, you know, just keep winning and just keep playing. And again, I come back on that. The great thing about the tournament, it's one and done. And when it's done, it's done. And you put the gear away and, and the other team still gets to practice.
5: Yeah, and so now we'll probably talk more about this later in the week if I can get you back on and look at the regionals because John Glenn will take on Washington at South Bend, Washington, Saturday at 4 Eastern time. The early game is the winner of Northwood and West Noble taking on Lake Station Edison. So you've got some... Pretty good teams in that sectional, and, of course, Northwood, Washington. Could they be on a, a collision course, two top ten teams in Class 3A? But John Glenn might have something to say about that. couple of quick thoughts on a couple other high school topics. Coach, if you don't mind, you've got Penn and Northridge tonight. Goshen is really good at controlling tempo. They kept the score down at least against Penn. They walked away with a double-digit victory. Penn is 25-1. Taking on a Northridge team that was middle of the pack in the Northern Lakes Conference this year, I mean, if you're the opposition to Penn right now, if you don't defend well, I don't know if you have any chance at all against Penn, Coach.
3: Um, yes and no. The thing, what you have to do, especially when you play a delivered style basketball, you have to be able to score. Yeah. You can't be down four to nothing and then hold the ball, because what you're saying right now, we don't want to lose by thirty we're okay to losing and so if you're able to score the basketball you can play a deliberate style but um i don't think by any stretch of the imagination was would northridge want to be able to get and try to, to match the speed of what penn has but i think that they they're not going to sit back and and try to win the game four to nothing they're going to compete there, there's no doubt in my mind on that and you know, and one of the things too, Darren, where when you go back and you talk about the tournament and what has always made the tournament so good. And I, and I had a a real strong argument um, with an athletic director from another team about, we don't need to have the major, major, huge gyms anymore. But what we need to be able to have is the fact that the ticket is tough and That is the thing that I think that always made Indiana basketball so good was the fact that you couldn't always get a ticket to the game. And so you sat at home and you listened on the radio or you tried to get it on TV. And that is the thing. What was best for the tournament was what was best for all. And I think that the IHSA made a major, major mistake when they allowed some teams to play and finish their tournament on Saturday one day and then allowed other teams and finish their tournament on a Monday. And there is an advantage, and there is a disadvantage. But, again, that's what makes the tournament great. The fact that it isn't fair is what makes it special. But, I, I again, nobody called me. Nobody asked
2: me. <laughs>
3: but I think if we were going to go through and have this tournament, the championship games are on Monday. The championship games are on Saturday. And they didn't do that. So now we're going to watch Mishawaka and Michigan City. We get to watch Penn and Northridge, and they're going to be good ballgames. It, yeah. it is not, would I be shocked if Penn blitzes them? No. Would I be shocked if Northridge would all of a sudden pull something out? Um, no, I really wouldn't. And that, again, and I'm beating a dead horse on this, Darren, that's what makes the tournament so great. Yeah. All of a sudden, those jump shots that went so good and all this chemistry <laughs> was so positive all of a sudden a couple missed jump shots a wrong word to the wrong player then all of a sudden there's a little bit of a problem mm-hmm. so we'll see how that goes out
5: well Mishawaka trying to win that first sectional in 37 years Bodie Bender led Carroll to the final four last year now in his first year in charge of Mishawaka the came 19 and 6 you saw them a week ago against South Bend St. Joe if you could give Coach Bender, a pep talk. Any thoughts for tonight's matchup? What comes to mind taking on this Michigan City team who has the great Jamie Hodge is probably the best scorer right now in the entire sectional?
3: I was always a believer. You don't change a whole lot of stuff going into this. So what you do, you make some adjustments, but you don't change. And I think the biggest thing that I saw when I when I watched Mitchell Walker that one time against St. Joe was the fact that they were very inconsistent in their guard play. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I had a talk, um, you know, the, the following day, whatever it was, to where they were much more consistent. Yeah, they've they didn't been great. turn the ball over. Yeah, and, and that is the biggest thing that what they're going to do because Michigan City, they will try to play very, very fast. And they will try to get it in uh, into a transition game. And I, I think Mr. or excuse, yeah, Miss Walker. I think Mishawaka Walker wants to run, but I don't think Mr. Walker wants to get it to where they're flying up and down one pass, one shot. And so what they're going to have to do is figure out how to speed the game up by getting stops, and then they have to be able, you know, to make shots. And I think that's the biggest thing. And and I think again when we talk about just basketball. It's not so much how many shots you take as how many shots you make. And that is the biggest thing that I think um, for an example Hodges if he's going to get 30 points, well you want him to shoot it 30 times. Mm-hmm. If he gets 30 points shooting it, you know, 10 times, then all of a sudden there's a problem. We're not going to beat him. And so what you want to do, you want to make things uncomfortable for them with what you do defensively. And that's my only advice that I would give to, uh, to Coach Bender is just make things uncomfortable for the opponent and play the game free, play the game loose, and may the chips fall where they may. You know, there, there's nothing greater than playing a championship game with everything on the line, knowing you gave your very best. Yeah. And sometimes you don't win but you know you gave your very best. Watch. And there is nothing worse than saying, man, I wish I would have. Yeah, And then all of a sudden, then you wasted a whole year.
5: Watching Michigan City, the first two games of the sectional, they cherry-pick, they have guards that just take off down the floor, and they get a lot of points, Coach, on broken plays or off rebounds if you don't box out. It's going to be a long night, and I didn't think Laporte did their best job in boxing them out. It was way too easy at times. You want to get into a jump shot shooting game, hopefully, with Michigan City. If it is a track meet, it does get a little more difficult. But, Coach, if you don't box out, could be a long night.
3: Again, we've talked about this before, Darren. I, I think the defensive rebounding is probably the most important fundamental in basketball because that's where your defense ends and that's where your offense begins. But if you allow them to get two and three yep. and four shots for possession, and then there's no way that, that you can win. And so very, very important that they do box out. I totally agree with that.
5: Coach, good to catch up with you for a couple of moments here, recapping what's been happening and who's your hysteria and a little look ahead to tonight. Greatly appreciated, and hopefully I can catch up with you later in the week as we get ready for the regional round.
3: You know, it's always a pleasure, uh, and I'm here at your beckoning call. Whenever you're ready, just send me a text now, and I'll be here on my couch with my phone in hand.
5: (laughs) Greatly appreciated, Coach. We'll talk to you soon.
3: You bet. Bye-bye.
5: Thank you, Coach. Mark Johnson, retired high school basketball coach, 37 years, roaming the sideline, helping me out here on Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat. His analysis of an amazing weekend for South Bend, Washington. They won by three points the two games, but they are sectional champions. Sports update coming up in just a moment. Budweiser's weekday sports feed on WSBT. We're gonna win.
2: Don't wanna be a loser. We're gonna
4: win. The man in
5: the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Lorenzo Styles on the post route gives to Esme. Leaps into the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Ball caught. Touchdown. What a catch by Jaden Thomas. Hands off the dig.
4: There he goes! 20, 15, 10. Touchdown, Notre Dame! We're going out the way. We're going to win.
1: Notre Dame football coverage continues now from Sports Radio 960 AM WSPT.
3: Here come the Irish.
1: Here's your host,
5: Darren Pritchett. It is the second hour, Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish and the upcoming NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett, and as I just said a second ago, it's almost tournament time, and the mayhem is coming back. What we call basketball mayhem. Get ready to create your brackets on March the 13th. And if you pull off the perfect bracket, you'll have a chance to win $1 million. Submit your bracket starting on March the 13th through the 15th at WSBTradio.com. Basketball Mayhem 2023 and your chance to win $1 million is brought to you by Cottage Inn Pizza of Niles, Michigan, check out their new loyalty rewards program and their app for easy ordering at cottagein.com. So a week from today, we will have brackets in hand, and you'll be able to fill out that perfect bracket, get all the information at WSBTradio.com. You'll be able to submit your bracket next Monday through next Wednesday. Selection Sunday is just six days away for the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments. And, of course, the first four games of the NCAA men's basketball tournament will be in Dayton once again this year. So we will have a couple of games here on WSBT Radio on Tuesday and Wednesday. I hope at some point they allow these games to be the upper-level teams, not the small conference teams. I guess it's great for those small conference teams – the 16-versus-16 matchup to get a win. But I think for entertainment value, to have the last eight at-large teams would have to play in these first four games. That might be a little more entertaining, more watched, I think more listened to by the fan base. At some point, we might see that. Again, there's a bit of a trade-off. It's cool seeing a 16-seed win a game. It means a lot to them. But at the same time, wouldn't you rather see the the bigger names teams play on Tuesday, like we saw last year, Notre Dame and Rutgers playing in a classic overtime game in Dayton that spilled over into St. Patrick's Day with the Fighting Irish picking up the victory. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby! That's right, Coach. So we'll see if that happens at some point. But anyway, brackets in hand on Monday, and please go to wsbtradio.com to get your basketball Mayhem bracket and a chance to win $1 million. Notre Dame football news that we are following. Notre Dame has lost another assistant coach. According to reports, special teams coordinator Brian Mason is leaving Notre Dame after one year to become the special teams coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. He is a Zinesville, Indiana native. Sounds like kind of a dream job for Brian. After a terrific job this year, Notre Dame led the country and. Kicks blocked. He is leaving for the National Football League. According to The Athletic's Matt Fortuna, he's reporting that Mason's replacement is going to be Ole Miss special teams coordinator Marty Biaggi, and he has Notre Dame ties. Marty was a special teams analyst at Notre Dame under Brian Kelly in 2016 no official word yet from the University of Notre Dame that's what's reported from the athletics Matt Fortuna that Marty Biagi will be Notre Dame's new special teams coordinator and then the staff should be ready to go for spring practice which begins in 16 days sounds like our running back coach coach McCullough had a lot of offers to go to the National Football League including from the LA Rams but he decided to stay put in South Bend, which is great news for the Fighting Irish football team. Well, Marcus Freeman spent a couple of nights at Notre Dame hockey games this year, but he'll have to wait until next October to see the Fighting Irish hockey team play at the Compton Family Ice Arena once again. In fact, it'll probably be December since he's going to be a little busy in October and November. But the Fighting Irish hockey team, their season came to a close last night. A disappointing loss on home ice in Game 3 of the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinal. Things looked really good for the Fighting Irish as they got off to a great start in the series. On Friday, Notre Dame shut out Michigan State 1-0. Ryan Bischel, the MVP of this Irish hockey team, posted his fifth shutout of the season. And only one goal was put on the board. It was by Grant Solanoff in the second period, and Notre Dame turned back Sparty one to nothing. It looked like maybe Notre Dame is going to sweep Michigan State as the Irish got off to a fast start again. Game two Saturday night, getting a first period goal from Solog Backage, but Michigan State would score four of the next five goals, and they defeated the Fighting Irish by a score of 4-2. to Jack Adams scored a third-period power play goal to bring Notre Dame to within 4-2, to but they fell short, which meant we had a win-or-go-home deciding Game 3 of the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinal last night at the Compton Family Ice Arena, and for a third consecutive game, Notre Dame would score first. Justin Janicki from the left circle took a shot, Beautifully screened by South Bend native Landon Slaggart. He got right in front of his old teammate, goaltender Dylan St. Cyr. And the puck sailed right by St. Cyr and Slaggart. Justin Janicki picked up his eighth goal of the year. And Notre Dame had a 1-0 lead. But Michigan State, off a broken play, a block shot by Notre Dame, the puck went right to Mueller, who has just hurt Notre Dame all year. He got the goal to tie it up. We were 1-1 going to the second period. Michigan State grabbed the lead. They had a terrific face-off play in which the person taking the draw won the draw, walked around our face-off man, Primo, and this was Mueller, by the way. He then kind of headfirst dove and tipped it to the middle of the zone, and right at the top of the blue paint, Jeremy Davidson had an empty net to basically fire into. And so Michigan State scored to take the lead, and they would go on to beat Notre Dame by a score of 4-2. to The Irish got to within 3-2 to with a 6-on-4 power play goal. But the Irish then pulled the goaltender with over two minutes to go down one, and Michigan State would score an empty netter. And that's how things wrapped up last night. Final score, Michigan State 4 and Notre Dame 2. For the Spartans, they move on to the Big Ten Tournament semifinals, and they win their first postseason series since 2010 when they beat Alaska Fairbanks in the old CCHA Tournament. So a monumental victory for this proud Michigan State program that's trying to get back on track. They've won three national championships, but they have been down for way too long for their standards. And Michigan State will travel to top seeded Minnesota for a Big Ten semifinal on Saturday. The other semifinal, the three seed Ohio State, who on their home ice knocked off Penn State in a deciding game three last night, three to one. The Buckeyes will take on their rival, the two seed Michigan in Ann Arbor on Saturday. For the Fighting Irish, frustrating way to end the season 16, 16, and five. And for the Fighting Irish, it was a season filled with frustration, inability to score more goals in even-strength situations. Five-on-five, Notre Dame was pretty good defensively all year. Unfortunately, the inability to consistently put the puck in the net at even-strength was one of their downfalls. Their penalty kill, which was number one in the country last year, was in the bottom five this year. They gave up quite a few goals the first weekend, and then there was a series they had trouble up at Wisconsin. Otherwise, they were a lot better than the stats indicate, but when you put all the numbers together, they were in the bottom five in the country. There's a big group of players that probably have played their final game with the Irish as players have run out of eligibility, or maybe, who knows, some may go to the portal. I think that's just what we have to deal with nowadays. I think the interesting Decision is going to be Ryan Bishell. The Irish goaltender had a terrific year this year, entered last night's game with a 932 save percentage, which is fantastic. Could he sign a pro contract in the next couple of weeks? I think he could, but I wonder if Ryan decides to come back. And I look at it this way over his career at Notre Dame, until this year, he was never consistently the starter. He always shared time. With someone. He hasn't played a lot of games at the collegiate level. An opportunity to come back next year, get another full season under his belt. It would really stabilize the Notre Dame hockey team going into next year, in which there's going to be a lot of freshmen on next year's hockey team. So I think one of the key decisions is going to be if goaltender Ryan Bischel decides to return to Notre Dame for one more year. Does he enter the portal? Does he sign a pro contract? He's got some pretty good options after a terrific season by Ryan this year. Another storyline, a couple of guys that were drafted by NHL teams, they have a decision to make, a pair of junior forwards in Ryder Ralston and Landon Slagert for Ralston, suffered an injury about a month ago, never came back, and he is a guy that was – traded his rights were to the Chicago Blackhawks do the Hawks want him in their minor league system or are they okay with him staying with the fighting hours for one more year to continue to develop the Hawks are one team that trusts this coaching staff to make their players better they don't necessarily have to put those players in the minors to get them groomed Notre Dame can do that and Landon Slager the South Bend native, his younger brother Carter, will join the Irish next year. Does Landon stay one more year to play with Carter? He was a third-round pick of the Blackhawks. Similar situation. We'll see what the Hawks and Landon decide to do. So the season is over for Irish hockey at 16-16-5, and five, and we'll see you again in October. More sports beat coming up. Mishawaka, Michigan City for a sectional title. A complete preview comes your way next on your home of the Fighting Irish in the NCAA Basketball Tournament, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It's another night of Hoosier hysteria in northern Indiana due to the bad weather late last week. We've got three sectional finals in our area to focus on tonight. Northwood, a great matchup at 7.30, Class 3A, two of the Titans meeting, 23-2 Northwood facing 21-3 West Noble. Over at Elkhart in just a few moments at 7 o'clock, 25-1 Penn will face 15-10 and Northridge. And over in LaPorte, 7.30 Eastern time tip, 19 and 6 Mishawaka versus 18 and 6 Michigan City. Brian Miller, Ryan Heklinski will have the call on our sister station. 96 won the ton. We'll talk to Brian Miller in just a second. But the K Men Saturday night advanced to their first sectional championship game in 19 years with a 71 58 victory over South Bend Riley. In that game, senior guard Arthur Jones, 21 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Junior forward Brady Fisher, 17 points, 5 rebounds. Junior forward Cooper Pritchett, 13 points, 7 rebounds. And Rashawn Johnson had 11 for the Cayman, then improved to 19-6. and six. They take on a Michigan City team tonight that is looking for their first ever sectional title. But let's go back to Saturday night. The game was on 96-1 the ton. The head coach of the Cayman in his first year as Bodie Bender, he sat down and visited with our very own Brian Miller and Ron Heklinski.
4: Along with caveman basketball coach Bodie Bender and former caveman boss Ron Heklinski. Uh, a little uh, party up here in the uh, – sorry, coach, I'll get your uh, headset turned up there get a little bit. Get that headset, man. Yeah, everybody on. wants
6: to, uh, everybody wants to, to you hear from I got to
4: talk to the engineer, you know. <laughs> you need to talk to the engineer. 7158. the happy totals. Your kids started off fast. They started off on fire and uh, truly really didn't cool
2: down.
7: Yeah, I mean, I go back to Wednesday. On how they practiced uh, you you saw a different look in their eye Wednesday was probably the best practice we've had all year and Thursday they didn't quit it was the same type of practice and Friday we just kind of put the bow on it and you could you could see it, it was a it was a different mentality on the bus coming over everybody was quiet everybody's listening to their music to get them going and you could see the look in the eye of we're not losing the basketball game tonight I mean, it's focus.
6: You know, it's this time in the state tournament. Now you're in this – I mean, you're in the sectional championship game. It's focus. And, obviously, you could tell that uh, South Bend Riley was two for 13 from the three-point line in the first half. And, and obviously, it wasn't because they had great looks. Your defense really pushed them out. They were three steps out hard. And I know you talked about that.
7: Yeah, the philosophy basically for most of the night. Now, they they threw some in, you know, late in the third, in the fourth quarter but the philosophy was to back off and let them go ahead and shoot challenge threes. We just couldn't have them get to the paint. I'll be interested to go back and watch the film to see how many times they actually got in the paint the first half. I, I bet it's under double digits. Um, we just did a good job of keeping them out of it. Um, and, and I thought at times we frustrated them. I mean, I don't
6: think there's any question about that. Defensively, you, you played really well. And when they got to the paint, I mean, they're so little, they couldn't get anything off your size since I'd really hurt them. And uh, I think that bodes well for you uh, on Monday night when you play. Talk about Monday night. I mean, this game's, this game's <laughs> in
7: the bag, man. I mean, talk about uh, Monday night. Monday, Monday. give me a chance, and I can give you a call tomorrow. Let me watch, <laughs> look at the film a little bit. Let me um, enjoy
4: this one, 71-58, Caveman.
7: We're going to have a tall task Monday night. They're, they're good. They're well coached. Um, Tom Wells has done this. Uh, a million times, and he's got a really good point guard that we're going to have to we're going to have to find a way uh, to to limit him on some things. I mean, I think it sets up
6: really great for you Monday night because I think I think one of your strengths are you do such a great your team does such a great job of stopping penetration, and when guards get in the air against you, you I mean, there's
7: always someone there to take a right. charge. Sliding, under. and, I, and oh. I think that sets up
6: great for you. Right. on Monday.
7: I, I thought I thought tonight. Just like Tuesday night uh, was another great night of blocking out. You know, the the thing that I write, the last bullet point I write under the defensive stuffs on the board is block out, one and done. I thought in the first half uh, we lived up to that, to that mentality, and, and really it continued into the second half.
4: We're visiting with Bodie Bender, head boys basketball coach, Mishawaka High School, who pick up win number 19 on the season tonight. They improved to 19 and 6 with a 71-58 win over South Bend Riley. Coach, when you look at the scoring column, you know Arthur certainly of recent has had his points and started out very solid tonight. 12 points in the first half, finished with 21 for the game. Rasan had a very quiet double-figure night. Cooper Pritchett, really? blue what collar, did,
7: had did
4: 11 according oh, nice. to the old man's numbers nice. here. 13 for Cooper Pritchett, 17 for Brady Fisher. And as I made an announcement, I think mid-third quarter, fans, Brady Fisher's back.
7: Well, yeah, he's back. I I thought uh, we had, obviously, we had great balance tonight. Um, And to give ourselves a chance on Monday night, we're going to have to have great balance again.
4: I also thought while we mentioned the double-digit scores for them for the cavemen, thought Jackson Snyder played a very, very he good he was floor solid. game.
7: He was solid. He, he helped us really do a good job of taking care of the basketball. I thought a couple times, uh, more than a couple times there, late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, he did a great job of flashing when we would get trapped in the backcourt and got it, and then it was pretty much off to the races. We either got a layup or threw it back out and ran some clock. Um, he was terrific tonight. Yeah, I don't think uh,
6: – when he gets the ball in the middle of the floor – and, and turns and looks
4: opposite. I mean, who wants to press you, right? Because right. it's big, I mean, right. because it's a layup.
2: Right.
4: Yep. Mishawaka winner. They will advance to a sectional championship for the first time since 2004. And they will take on the Wild, the, try again, the Wolves of Michigan City as tonight Mishawaka defeats the Wildcats at South and Riley 71 58. Coach, any final thoughts? I know it's going to be a busy, busy day tomorrow. <laughs> a lot of film, a lot of preparation, a lot of notes. And then, uh, Hopefully, you some time with your players Monday to you know mentally get ready and get on the bus to come over and play for yeah, all the marbles.
7: Yeah, we're gonna have to figure out how we want to handle Monday and, and a walkthrough a little bit. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of preparation tomorrow. I'll be on that computer. I better make sure that I get home and it's charged. I'll probably <laughs> be on that thing a while tomorrow.
6: Well, Nineteen years, man. Nineteen years since uh, the caveman been in a, a sectional championship game, man. I don't want to put any heat on you, but that's really sweet. I think you've put enough heat on me this year, haven't you already? Hey, hey, nineteen wins every
4: day in the. Oh my! I mean, it's
6: just hey, (laughs) nineteen wins, nineteen years. I think there's there's a there's a lot of synonymous things going on here, and I'm. I, I mean, I can't wait till, till Monday night. I know, and I know you're going to do your prep. You always do, man. I'll take <laughs> class on Monday. <laughs> I'll take <laughs> class on Monday. You can do what you want yeah, to do. I
7: appreciate it. Man. In there first be, for
4: everything, right? No, class
7: on Monday, oh, hey, I'm, glad, hey, I'm glad we're taping this so I can go back and play that later for you. Yeah. I, I I will. I, I mean, will those are, that's, a, that's a kiss of death right there. I'll take class for you on Monday, man.
5: That was Mishawaka basketball coach, Bodie Bender, with Ron Heklinski and my next guest, Brian Miller, from the sectional semifinal over in Laporte Saturday night as the Cayman advanced on with a 71-58 victory over South Bend Riley. And now but two Jared, teams. Do I,
4: do I sound better than I did in the late portion of that interview?
5: I'm telling you what, you sound fantastic today. You saved the best for me, and I greatly appreciate that. Oh.
4: <laughs> Let me tell you, my friend, uh, from uh, – Battling COVID mid-February uh, and uh, the after effects, uh, the voice has not been 100%. But man, oh man, I'm hoping it's going to hold out for a for a dandy tonight. So we'll see.
5: Well, since you are a softball coach, I will look for the. You need help from the bullpen. I will be ready on standby if you need help. I'm not sure how good well, I'm going to do I, tonight, was, but.
4: <laughs> I, I I was hoping, you know, I was hoping that maybe I could I could have convinced the powers that beat Michelle Walker to get a bus for the softball team we could have went to Laporte, maybe used one of their fine facilities there to have our first day of practice yeah. and then we could all went to the basketball game it didn't work out that way i guess i'm getting soft in my old age but also <laughs> knowing how big of a night this is for mishawaka high school and for the uh, boys basketball program um no softball practice no softball tryouts today i'll postpone tomorrow be there be square and uh we'll uh yeah. We'll have a little catch-up to do, but we'll be okay.
5: That sounds like a plan. And, of course, Brian and Coach Heklinski will have the call of Michigan City and Mishawaka tonight on our sister station, 96.1 the ton. Pre-game coverage will start at five Eastern time, and game time is set for 7.30. Eastern time. And Brian, you mentioned there in your comments a big night for Mishawaka High School. They've reached the sectional title game for the first time in 19 years, victory number 19 allowed them to halt that 19-year drought, and now a chance to end the ultimate drought. They have not won a sectional since 1986. The first thing I'll say is about this team, I don't know if they're going to win or lose tonight, but they have went about their business the last couple of weeks like pros during this sectional. Just a second ago in that interview with Coach Bender, he talked about how locked in this team has been. You know, three weeks ago, there was a lot of lack of focus. There were distractions going on, but now, Brian, it looks Looks like this team has really bought into what Bodie once done, and now they're executing at a high level.
4: Well, I will tell you, and and not to distract from your question, but number one, the last time the K Men were in the sectional championship, I was broadcasting for another station, and I remember that loss to Concord that night—a Concord team that really caught fire in the postseason and beat a really good Mishawaka team. But 19 years later, here I am, and yeah, you know, Bodie Bender. Um, talk with me during the pregame show when we recorded it Saturday afternoon, um, just, you know, thought we were ready, thought the kids were ready, good frame of mind. We talked about the physical and the mental preparedness and what was maybe even more important at one or the other. But then he expanded, as you just played, expanded more on his confidence level about how locked in the kids were. The, you know, and, and, and Bodie's pretty open with you and I and other members, you know, here on our broadcast team and Ron Hicklinski, about things and some stuff we talk about on the air, some things we don't. But I was really surprised at how open he was about that, but truly how confident this team was, because let's face it, Riley and Mishawaka was a great ball game back when they played in December, but uh, that game was, was really never a contest Saturday.
5: It was not. The good news is Mishawaka's playing their best basketball, I think, the last week or so. It all started with that win over South Bend St. Joe to wrap up the regular season, then blew out Plymouth and took care of Riley. And I think the common thread has been getting off to really good starts, and that's been a key, I think, Brian, so far in this sectional. The, the pressure has been taken off a little bit just because they have gotten off to great starts, mainly due to the play and the shooting of point guard Arthur Jones.
4: Yeah, Arthur's gotten off to a couple of good starts in both ball games, but you know what? Uh, even when you make other mistakes, when you put the ball in the basket, and I, I remember Coach Eklinski's uh, stats in the postgame show Saturday, uh, Walker shot, what, 50-some or nearly 60% for the ball game or better. Um, it, it, Makes up for a lot of woes when you do put the ball in the basket. But, you know, I think when you when you talk about putting the ball in the, in the hoop, but really defense has helped make, make the offense. Uh, the trans- transition game for the Cayman has improved greatly, and I think they're locked in defensively right now and certainly a much, much better defensive team than when LaPorte, or rather when Michigan City and and Mitchell Walker played back in December.
5: And that Michigan City team is – they feel like they're on a mission right now. They beat their rival, Laporte, to get to the championship game. Michigan City has never won a sectional, so this is a great opportunity for them. And as we've talked about, they have the best player in the sectional and Jamie Hodges. And I'll, I'll tell oh, you yeah. what, he's bailed them out a couple of times, I think, in this sectional. They've had a little shaky play at times, and Hodges is there to rescue them.
4: Well, you notice he—he he, sometimes he's kind of hunched over. That's not from protecting the ball. That's from all the weight of carrying the team from time to time. But, but he—he he is amazing. He is so fun to watch play. You know, if you were going to put together a high school basketball North South game, boy, oh boy, could you imagine just within our within within our uh, reach, Jamie Hodges and Marcus Burton in the backcourt oh. uh, as seniors in a North South All Star game. I mean, you talk about two great guards up in this area. Oh, by the way, Mishawaka's got Arthur Jones. He's pretty good too. Yeah, but. I think when you look at um, uh, Michigan City, one thing I know that there's a, there's a specific, there's a special focus, and Tom Wells haven't hasn't really dove into it and, and expanded too much, but just some sidebar comments he's made to me off the air about you know this team being ready, this team being locked in, because let's face it, a year ago you know they beat Mishawaka in, in the opening game, they advanced, they beat Laporte, their rival game too and they gave up a fairly handsome lead in the championship to South Bend Adams. Adams putting together one of the most magnificent comebacks I had ever seen. I've been covering Hoosier Hysteria for 35, 40 years and that win by Chad Johnston's team last year to win that sectional uh Michigan City truly felt like it was stolen from them. So I think they're on a mission and I think they feel like this is their time, this is their turn and certainly the celebration Friday, you know, you alluded to that with me off the air before this interview tonight. Uh um you know the the celebration that Michigan City uh uh, with the confetti and just, you know, the uh, the celebration by the players, um, maybe they thought the championship game was played Saturday night at 6 o'clock.
5: Mm. Brian Miller, Mishawaka broadcaster. You'll hear him on one The Ton tonight starting at 7.05. This is my thought. I'll let you jump on this comment, disagree with it. But I think Michigan City is the better offensive team, but I think Mishawaka is the better defensive team, and I don't think it's even close.
4: Well, there's no special teams in this, so we can't wait for a field goal or a kick return. But, but I would agree with that. Yeah, no, no question about that. Uh, going back to December 13th when they played, uh, I might I might have put a coin flip down on defense, on who was the better team. But I think there's a, there's a true commitment there. I also know you know Bodie Bender has worked really really hard in instilling his defensive philosophy and getting these kids to buy into what what they need to do. And you know, let's face it. Uh, also, getting Brady Fisher back, and just yes. from a physicality standpoint and a competitiveness standpoint and strength standpoint, I know I made the comment after uh, he had one of his stretch runs uh, middle of the game on on uh, Saturday against Riley. Hey, fans, Brady Fisher's back, and this caveman team needs him healthy. He is healthy, he's playing well. Uh, if they can play the game defensively, and one of the big, big keys, and using the football term, don't let the ball get thrown over your head. You can't let Jamie Hodges have 65-foot passes for assists for backdoor slam, dunks or for transition hoops. Otherwise, it'll be a long night for the Cayman.
5: Well, I think one thing that is going in Mishawaka's favor, the inside play of the Cayman's been pretty solid recently. In fact, you go back to the Riley game, Brian. You take Brady Fisher's numbers and Cooper Pritchett's numbers. They went a combined 13 of 14 from the field, both in double figures, both right around six or seven rebounds. To me, those two have their hands full tonight with the length and the athleticism of Michigan City. They're going to have to really battle on the boards because I watched Michigan City get a lot of cheap free points right around the bucket against LaPorte because I didn't think the Slicers did a good enough job boxing out in that game.
4: No, I would agree with that, and certainly Alan Briggs is a handful. Uh, If it wasn't for Jamie Hodges, we'd be talking about Alan Briggs, Alan Briggs, Alan Briggs is probably the second best player on this Michigan City team. Averages like 14 points, five rebounds, three assists per ball game. Brighton Franklin, he was a highlight reel. He was fun to watch play Friday, or I'm sorry, Saturday, in the semifinals with his slam dunks and you know, kid who only averages 19 or nine per game rather had uh, had 20. I mean, those two are certainly a handful. Marcus Day is quiet, you know, kind of quiet. You know, you don't, his numbers don't pop out on the stat sheet as far as points are concerned, but he's a big physical, physical specimen, 6'6". Six, six, he's a load inside. Truly, you know, uh, your kid Cooper, Cooper Pritchett, certainly uh, Brady Fisher, uh, the minutes that, that possibly Ace Troyer gets off the bench tonight, They're going to be critical on their inside play, but the bottom line, Mishawaka guards are going to have to rebound, and the good news is Versan Johnson's a good rebounder. Arthur Jones is a good rebounder, and Jackson Snyder, while he's only 5'10", he can go in there, and and physicality-wise, he can play with the big kids. So the the Mishawaka guards are going to have to help rebound tonight.
5: We watched film of the Michigan City-Laporte game last night and also the Mishawaka-Michigan City game, and one thing I picked up, and I saw this in person the other night, Michigan City will cherry-pick. Their guards will take off down the floor, and that's why they got off to such a great start against Laporte. They took off as soon as the ball was going to the rim, and they feel like their bigs are going to take care of the rebounding. They get a lot of cheap points with cherry-picking. So I know Mishawaka was prepared for that against Riley. They did a good job, but this is going to be an ultimate test for their discipline because they're going to have to have somebody back or it can really – Become almost an avalanche with the way they get those points so quickly.
4: Yeah, whoever the defender is responsible for, like Jameer Nelson or Anthony Murphy, you 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 can't lose them. Uh, Murphy wears number zero, Nelson wears number one. They love the cherry pick when they see that opportunity to to sprint out and get back quickly. Uh, they know that Jamie Hodges is going to find the open man up the floor. He is no doubt. Uh, one of the best point guards of the state of Indiana. So, uh, Mitchell Walker just has to know their assignments, and I guess goes back to defense, defense, defense. Um, and certainly, hey, if you get the rebounds, you know they, you know, you get the offensive boards. They can't, they can't crash, and they can't go on that fast break as quick. So, rebounding is a big, big key, but defensive assignments will be huge
5: i got to let you go. Your pregame is going to start in a couple of minutes, so i got to let you get focused. <laughs> so have a great call tonight. Again, Brian and Coach Heklinski will have Mishawaka, Michigan City, on our sister station, ninety-six-one, The Ton. The pregame right at 7.05, opening tip 7.30 Eastern time. Brian, thanks for the time. Have a great call tonight.
4: 19 years since they've been played for a trophy in boys' basketball, and it's been 37 years since they won one. Uh, what a celebration it's going to be! Uh, hopefully for the Cavemen tonight, but I anticipate a great ball game. Thanks for uh, spending some time with me, and uh, we'll see you uh, see you over in Slicertown.
5: All right, sounds good. That's Brian Miller. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues in just a moment on WSBT.
2: Money, money, money.
0: Water, 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 water. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with scissors. <laughs>
5: Final segment for Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed for this Monday evening. My name is Darren Pritchett. It's time for sports wagering conversation here on WSBT Radio. Let's start with my suggestions from Friday's program. The suggestions went very well. I needed one of these type of days, and I got it on Friday. Mainly because. I follow college hockey very close since I call the Notre Dame hockey game, so I don't know if it gives me an advantage. I watch a little closer, but we did okay with those on Friday. For game one of the Notre Dame-Michigan State Series, I went under five and a half goals at minus 120. You bet 10, you win eighteen thirty three. Well, Notre Dame won that game 1-0 on a tally by Grant Solanoff, well under five and a half goals. Next up was a two-team Big Ten tournament college hockey parlay. Notre Dame hockey on the money line in game one. Michigan on the money line in game one against Wisconsin. Notre Dame won one to nothing. Michigan was down late in the third period against the seven-seeded Badgers, but tied it and then won it in overtime. So we had the Irish and the Wolverines on a parlay at plus 103. You bet 10 you win. 2034 next up on friday college basketball from st louis the missouri valley tournament it was siu carbondale laying a point and a half against missouri state missouri state built a double digit lead in the first half this wasn't looking good but the salukis roared back and they won 54 51 they needed to win by two they won by three and finally on friday's show from the nhl a toss-up game. I went with the Golden Knights on home ice against the New Jersey Devils. That money line wager was at minus one ten. You bet ten, you win nineteen oh nine. And the Knights hit the jackpot. They won in overtime, four to three. So we wrapped up last week with a four and zero day, over five hundred for the month of February, and off to a good start here in March. Here we go with four suggestions for tonight. Not a lot to choose from. This is kind of a tough night. I would not follow these suggestions. I would fade them because, again, the major conferences aren't playing. So, really had to pick and choose. We'll start with one college basketball matchup. I've really liked Furman all year. I'm going to ride Furman minus four and a half against Chattanooga at minus 110. From the National Basketball Association, I think Cleveland can control the pace against the Boston Celtics. Solid defensive play. Celtics and Cavaliers under 218 total points at minus 110. So you bet 10, you win 1909. From the National Hockey League, the Dallas Stars are hosting the Calgary Flames. Let's go with Dallas on home ice on the money line at minus 140 against Calgary. You bet 10, you win 17-14. And finally, since they're, again, not much I like tonight, let's put together a two-team ACC Tournament Parlay for round number one tomorrow. One of the two games begins before sports beat starts, so that's why I'm going to use that today. So a two-team ACC Tournament Parlay. I'm going to take Boston College on the money line against that poor Louisville team. Hopefully BC will play like the team that beat Virginia a couple of weeks ago. And the second part of the parlay, man, I hate to do it because I don't want the Mike Bray era to end quite yet. I've got Virginia Tech on the money line against the Irish. So the two-team parlay, Boston College and Virginia Tech on the money line, tomorrow's action in the ACC tournament. So for tonight, Furman minus four and a half. Celtics Cavaliers under 218 total points, stars on the money line against the Flames, and then that ACC tournament parlay tomorrow with BC and Virginia Tech. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT is being brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Ears, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Pet Refuge. URGING YOU TO ADOPT DON'T SHOP WHERE NEW BEGINNINGS HAVE HAPPY ENDINGS BY BARNABY'S OF Mishawaka AND GRANGER NOW WITH THREE LOCATIONS TO SERVE YOU BARNABY'S THE FAMILY INN BY THE FOOD BANK OF NORTHERN INDIANA HUNGER IS A STORY WE CAN END FIND OUT HOW AT FEEDINDIANA.ORG ALL RIGHT, LET'S RESET THE EVENING ONE MORE TIME HERE ON WSBT RADIO FOX SPORTS RADIO IS COMING UP AT THE TOP OF THE HOUR ON OUR SISTER STATION 96-1, the ton. Coverage of the Laporte Sectional Championship game, 18-6 Michigan City, taking on 19-6 Mishawaka. The Wolves looking for their first-ever sectional title. The Cayman looking for their first sectional title in 37 years, dating back to 1986. Brian Miller and the coach, Ron Heklinski, will have the play-by-play starting in a matter of moments at 7.05 on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. And a reminder, Notre Dame basketball comes your way from Greensboro tomorrow night, the opening round of the ACC tournament. The Fighting Irish are the 14-seed in this 15-team field, and they will take on the defending champions, the 11-seed, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Pre-game coverage is going to get started at 6.30 tomorrow night, the opening tip is at 7 o'clock. Folks, have a wonderful evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.